You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church, to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Joe Rogan Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, not the Joe Rogan Podcast, but... You know, this podcast has almost as many subscribers, and we're just waiting for Spotify to give us a call and let us know that they'd also like to offer us a few Bs. The only reason we're not controversial is because no one cares what we think. That's right. Nobody care. But uh, if case, in case you're one of the uh, two or three people that do care about what we have to say, this is The Worship Review. I'm Colin. I'm a history professor and a former music leader, worship leader, whatever you'd like to call it, in church, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Tyler. I'm Tyler. I am a linguist, a former worship leader, someone who really cares about words and their meanings, and I have a lot of hobbies too, but that's not what this podcast is about. Do you like uh, you know, long walks on, on, on the, the, beach. You know, the beach at sunset? Yeah. Candlelight dinners. Right. Fantastic. Uh, so those are some things about Tyler. Uh, which is why we're all here. That's right. This is our final review of the second series, uh, a series which is focused on hymns that have been redone by fairly contemporary Christian music acts, as you as you might say. Um, and we've looked at the modern hymns, the revisions of those hymns, and these have actually been quite long and substantial episodes, in part because the hymns are quite substantial, but I suppose we'll get into that at the final episode of this series. But for now, we're doing the last song that we wanted to look at, which is a variation of Nothing But the Blood. It's called If God slash Nothing But the Blood by Casey J, a song which is kind of a mix of two songs, one that that Casey J, I think, authored herself, and uh, a song that she has redone, an old hymn. That's what we are going to be looking at today, and what we do is we just talk a little bit about the song, its background, its you know the summary of, of key aspects of the song, and then we get right into a real detailed analysis of lyrics, sometimes individual words, sometimes individual letters even, because I've got Tyler with me on the podcast. And then finally, we will... Uh, give some concluding thoughts, talk about the comparison between the new version of the hymn and the old version, and we'll offer an endorsement or not, and then we'll also give it a rating. Out of five somethings, and the somethings are unknown, Tyler and I do not tell each other what those are going to be. We normally attempt to pick something a little bit funny, whether that actually lands uh, well, no, the results are in. They, they it's, it's, it's not, it's funny, not funny. No, it's not. We try. We try. We do. We do try. Um, okay. So, uh, Tyler, uh, okay. if God, nothing but the blood. So we know that if God is 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 new, but nothing but the blood is an old song. Yes, it's a rather old song. It's not an ancient song or anything like that. So it was written. Nothing but the blood. I mean, was written by Robert Lowry, a Baptist minister originally from Philadelphia. He worked in Pennsylvania and New Jersey for most of his life. He was also a professor and a musician from his childhood. Um, I found his description of how he writes hymns to be quite curious. 
um, a reporter asked him, do you write the words to fit the music or the music to fit the words? And this is something I've heard from other songwriters as well. He says, I have no method. Sometimes the music comes and the words follow, fitted insensibly to the melody. I watch my moods, and when anything good strikes me, whether words or music, and no matter where I am, at home on, or on the street, I jot it down. So uh, he didn't have a kind of formulaic way of producing songs, which I think is kind of endearing in, in a way and um, respectable. He also wrote some other hymns that might be familiar to listeners. He is the author of Shall We Gather at the River? Uh, he's also the author of... I Need Thee Every Hour, which was recently redone by Indelible Grace. So he he wrote quite a bit and was a rather academic-oriented fellow. And Casey J. is from Atlanta originally. She trained uh, to be—well, I don't know if she trained to be. She went to the University of Georgia and became a charter, a public charter teacher— who volunteered in her church choir. You are joking me. Her voice is so good. And I think that is why when the pastor heard her singing at church, he encouraged her to record. And so she recorded. And uh, let's see, the song that she recorded was called Fill Me Up. And that one was a cover. Um, her pastor liked it, encouraged her to record it. And within weeks, it had skyrocketed to number one on the Billboard gospel charts because her voice oh, is beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Such And such precision and control. Yes. I mean. There's a moment where she does a minor inversion and executes it perfectly. It was no sound I know. It was nothing. So I think, given her story, I also am already inclined to like her because she doesn't strike me as someone who entered this field for money or something like that. Yeah. She seems to have stumbled upon success, and um, that doesn't mean I'm going to go easy on what what we have here. But I yeah. think it's it's interesting to know the little bit of a backstory. Yeah, so. that's really fascinating, Tyler. So the the song itself, if we're talking about "If God Slash Nothing But the Blood." seems to be a conglomerate, well, not kind of a conglomeration. It is a conglomeration. <laughs> what do the kids say? A mashup? <laughs> a mashup, yes. So it's it's combining two different songs, but it's also ruminating on two different places in scripture. Yeah. Okay? So the first one, the original Nothing But The Blood, was published originally with Hebrews 9.22, underneath the title of the song. And I'm going to read a little bit of the end of Hebrews 9, where the author of the Hebrew is speaking about the necessity of the shedding of blood for covenants. Um, So I'll start in verse 19. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll on all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So that latter um, fragment there from Hebrews seems to be what Lowry was meditating on when he wrote, nothing but the blood of Jesus, 
what can wash away my sin, or originally the what can wash away my stain was originally written there. The mashup of a song here is also meditating, in addition to Hebrews chapter 9 on Romans 8, because we have these images of creation groaning, so to speak. We have trouble in the natural world, trouble in our own bodies physically, we have violence and conflict, um, but we also have this refrain, if God is for us, who could be against us, which is directly from Romans. So that's kind of what the authors are about and what the song generally is about. So scripture in both ingredients in the mash, as it were. Yes. Okay, so that gives us, I guess, an overarching summary of where the songs are coming from. Let's kind of get into some of these details. Yes. So we have an opening portion of the piece of music, which is... What shall we say to these things? There's still cancer and so much disease. What shall we say to these things? So much hurting and broken esteem. So many questions, but still one What shall we say to these things? There's still cancer and so much disease. What shall we say to these things? So much hurting and broken esteem. So many questions, but still one answer. So, yeah, so many questions initially, yes, because it I have opens a few with questions. a question. Um, so it opens with this, uh, what shall we say to these things? Which things? Well, Colin, <laughs> let me answer that. Cancer, disease, hurting, okay. and broken esteem. So those are the things. Yes. Okay. Which is not exactly what Romans no. uh, chapter 8 is uh, reflecting on. But there are elements of of Romans chapter 8 in these ideas. Okay. Show show me that. Let's, okay. let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. I was saving this for a bit later, but I'm just going to go for it right now. Um, I think it's worthwhile to read... Um, from Romans. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's very long. Thanks. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, plus, it would take us probably several hours to yes. discuss everything. Yes. But um, I'll read verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And then I'll jump forward and read from th- uh, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so what in there, Tyler, let us know, is in this song, or at least in this first part of the song? Yeah. I can see some hints there. Yeah. I mean, cancer, disease. Yeah. Um, I mean, Romans names famine specifically. Yeah. But these kind of... In the Greek, that th- those words, famine and disease are almost identical. Limos and loimos. So I, it's it's just one okay. one letter. I did not know that. Yeah, they're, they're very closely associated both uh, etymologically and also just conceptually. Okay. Because often one, one would follow the other. You'd get famine and then... Uh, so I'm writing a book on this now. So you get famine, and then you get, uh, and then you get disease that follows in its wake because mm. the population is malnourished. Anyway, uh, slight diversion. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So yeah, so that's so that's definitely there. I would say disease, whether she intended this or not, um, disease and famine uh, in a in an ancient text from the classical world is um, that's fair game. I think also housed in these ideas maybe an earlier part of Romans chapter 8 where creation, we read that creation has been subjected to futility. Um, So famine is a part of that and and disease as well. Um, It's been corrupted, which is what cancer is. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a corruption of healthy cell reproduction. There's hurting. So the the words are a little vague, if you will. So this hurting, it doesn't, it's not clear whether that's um, physical pain and agony yeah. or emotional hurting. It would it seem to be the latter because the next part is broken esteem. I think what is meant is broken self-esteem. Yes, not esteem for God or something. Right. We, right. Esteem in the sense of being, uh, in the sense of Self-worth. holding someone in regard, in high yeah. regard. But um, oneself, right? Yeah, I think that has to be what's yeah. meant. So um, there's some there's hurting emotional pain and broken self esteem. Yeah, uh, re- yeah, we're reading the self into that, but it it doesn't make sense without the self, and I don't think it's esteem for others. So, um, what are we going to say to this? Well, we're going to say there's so many questions, <laughs> but one answer. Okay. okay, so we have we get the implication here that. We could be asking a dozen similar questions, right? Right. That there, there are more things that are wrong because that's what these things references. Yes. So in the song, at least, etc. Yeah. At all, yeah. Okay. So then we get this next bit. If you gotta be for me, who can be against me? If God is with me, who? If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is with me, whom shall I fear? If no one knows me, still his heart adores me. I am safe, I am loved, I am healed. So that is the answer, Tyler? Yeah, the answer is that God is for us, and therefore none can stand against us, even if cancer takes our body or famine, or not famine, excuse me, um, 
disease, pain, or, agony. Or if we're hurting. Yeah, I have to say, we're going to see this throughout this song, and frankly, I think it's a current that permeates a lot yeah. of Christian culture, yeah. uh, Christian the, music culture. The therapeutic element. Yeah, there's if there's hurting and broken esteem, we reassure ourselves of the love that God has for us. Yeah. That is fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sure. that. Um, I think it could be emphasized too much in some ways. But but here we have, I think, I, frankly, I think good statements. So if no one knows me, still his heart adores me. Yeah. Now, um, this is where it's very clear where we have to be talking about a Christian, right? Yeah, 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 because absolutely. His heart does not adore the wicked. Yes. He, he hates the proud. Yeah. He humbles those who exalt themselves. Right. And right. Um, he has mercy on his people and loves them. Right. Um, and we and also, really only in Christ yeah. can he adore us because he yeah. adores Christ. We also know from Scripture that, yeah, God is at enmity with those who are not his and this this has to be a christian and if it's if it's not a christian if this song is not speaking of christians it would be an error now i think we have good reason in the song to think that the singer is a christian is singing from that perspective uh, because there's a strong sense in the singer that god is for them god's with them you know that there's a kind of uh there's a level of trust going on here. Again, it's quite it's somewhat nonspecific, right? And it doesn't reference key elements of the gospel per se. Like we don't see Christ, we don't see um, we don't see sin. So there's definitely some stuff that is lacking in at least this early part of the song or this if God section of the song, which will get brought in a little bit by the hymn, uh, but yeah, um, I think we can safely say this is about a Christian. In fact, you mentioned that there's no mention of sin. Really, the only mention of that is in the addition of the one verse of um, nothing but the blood. So in in the if God portion of this song, if you would divide it into two, and I think the title gives us the permission to do that. Yeah. There is no mention of yes. sin as yeah. really the root cause of all of these evils that are in the world, in our bodies, between human beings. Um, the thing that places us at enmity with God and one another, as Christians we know to be sin, um, mm-hmm. this song, I think, maybe takes that as presupposed knowledge. Yeah. It doesn't name that explicitly. I don't think it's out of line with that idea. Yeah. Um, but if you are a, a, a brand new convert you're not going to get that information from this song necessarily. Yeah. No, I I suspect, and we'll obviously get to this at the end when we kind of conclude, I suspect that this if God part would have been a little bit, we would probably see this as more deficient if it did not have the additional material in it. Because so far, there's not as much definition as one would like to see. But I think as we move into the hymn portion we're going to see a little bit more defined. Yeah. And in this portion of the song, before we go on much further, the singer reassures herself that 
his heart adores me even if no one knows me. So yeah. even if I'm totally um, unknown to other people, yeah. um, maybe isolated in some way. Um, and then also the singer reassures herself that she is safe. So I think here perhaps something like Psalm 91 is oh, yeah. brought to mind. Yeah. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow yeah. of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Um, I am loved. So again, this has to be a Christian who is experiencing the love of God aside from just the kind of common grace love that God has. And I am healed. Mm. Now, this is fascinating uh, to me because there's cancer. There's so much disease, right? We learn about that in the first verse. Um, and she's saying these things still exist, yeah, and they persist. And so when she says "I am healed," she doesn't mean she's not talking about yeah. um, physical healing, at least exclusively. It may be possible that she could be miraculously healed, or even healed through medicine as well, yeah. um, a medical miracle or something. It seems to me that what she's saying is um, there was a spiritual sickness that has been healed in yeah. me because what she's doing here with "I am loved" and "I am healed," she's um, She's turning the attention from um, the present tense to something that has been accomplished in the past. So she's still speaking in the present tense. Technically, I am loved, not I was loved. But uh, when when you use these, um, they're they're called participles in grammar. They're essentially forms of verbs that can be used as adjectives. And so Mm -hmm. when you say, I am loved... I am healed. You're saying something has happened that has changed my state. Mm-hmm. And so if I am healed, someone has healed me right. in the past. So in contrast to the opening, which is there's still cancer, there's so much disease, there's so much hurting. Yeah. She's now stating that there has been a healer who came. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm reading too much into that maybe. There has been a healer and there has been a lover of her mm-hmm. uh, soul. Yeah. Yep. That's it. What shall we say next, Colin? What shall we say to these things? So much violence. It's getting hard to believe. And what shall we say to these things so many people hurt with broken esteem so many questions but still what shall we say to these things and then she says so much violence it's getting hard to believe and then the rest of it is is the same as it was in the in the first first the first time around. So let's just talk about that. What shall we say to these things? So much violence, it's getting hard to believe. Uh, violence is is in Romans eight in yeah. that in that portion. It's right there. Uh, Paul talks about the like danger and the sword. That these are things that you know are these things going to separate us? From the love of God, violence is basically what he's saying. And so she's referencing that right there, this idea of violence. But she ties violence with 
it's getting hard to believe. What do you think is going on there, Tyler? Yeah. Okay, before I say that, I will say it's interesting to me that she's gone from talking about internal conflicts, either emotional conflicts or diseases of the body, to now external conflict or conflict between people, right? There's violence. I don't know why it's hard to believe, to be honest with you. I think this may be just an American colloquialism or a turn of phrase to say it's getting really bad out there, right? Because Christians are not surprised when the world is violent. Right. At least we shouldn't be. We, right. It's all throughout our scriptures. The Bible is probably one of the most violent books that mm-hmm. our children will read. Yes. Um, and violence unfortunately it's the way of the world it's it's a very sinful um place so um i don't think this person i don't think she is struggling to well i don't know maybe i'm reading into that maybe i'm reading myself into this do you think do you think colin that she's struggling to believe how violent things are getting yeah so this this person does live in a peaceful place, both in space and time. If And it looks like she's in the United States, for example, which is a fairly pretty, you know, among the most peaceful places in the world. You mean in, even the most violent places in the United States are still relatively peaceful? I have to, I, I would think so. It certainly seems that way. Um, but I suspect that what she is saying here is that so much violence, it's getting hard to believe. I don't think she's saying the violence is getting hard to believe. I think she's saying the violence poses a challenge to her faith. To her faith. Ah, so not I hadn't th- thought of this. Yeah, not that would cause her to doubt, but that, you know, if you are in a church body at any given time, um, the people are dealing with violence. It's absolutely true. They're dealing with domestic violence. They're dealing with... Um, violence in their neighborhood, they're dealing with violence in their families, they're dealing, they know people who live in parts of the world where there's violence. Obviously, we have brothers and sisters in different parts of the world, I mean that Christian brothers and sisters in different parts of the world where they're dealing with violence. Uh, I mean, there, and, you know, there's there's a almost daily encroachment upon God's people. I mean, we're even seeing it now in places like Canada, uh, even in parts of the United States, um, where you know pastors are being arrested and this sort of thing. So, um, you know, now she's writing this song in I think 2017 or 2018 or something like that. So, kind of some of the some of the current events that have accelerated um, violence have not yet occurred when she's writing the song. But nevertheless, that trajectory was still marching onward even at that point. And that has always presented a challenge to the church, the the idea of persecution. And I just wonder if she's kind of thinking about that. But I recall, I mean, I mean I've always lived, for the most part, in communities where there was a fairly low level of violence. But I remember visiting a friend's church uh, a few years ago in uh, Chattanooga, and many of the prayer requests were, you know, my pray for my brother who's in jail because he, you know, committed armed robbery or pray for my neighbor. There, there was a drive-by shooting, you know, in their house 
got hit and, you know, they're really scared, you know, or, you know, pray for my, my daughter. She's thinking about joining a gang, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like those were the prayer requests in that church. And those wouldn't be normal prayer requests in many of the churches that I've been a part of. And it did not seem like this was exceptional to, to these folks in this church. So, you know, depending on where, you know, where in Atlanta, you know, she lived and grew up, this might be something that's a serious thing that she just has to deal with, you know, or has had to deal with, you know, as a, as a more normal part of her life. And so that, I could see that presenting challenges, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's possible that the violence that she's referring to is a kind of an, an ever-present threat yeah. in, in her church and in the communities yeah. where she's active. So it could be like a few different things. We don't know, but in, in it, almost any way that we spin it, this is a reasonable, it seems to me like a reasonable connection between violence and just, you know, the hardness of the soil, as it were, to use Jesus's parable about the seeds. Like, this is, this makes Christian growth hard. Your interpretation, which I rather like, is that this, it's getting hard to believe, is not an American turn of phrase to mean it is getting out of hand or something like that, but rather this is a challenge to my faith, in which case I think it could be a reflection not just on the violence, but really on the cancer, the disease. Oh, yeah, okay, um, The sure. um, hurting, the, I guess, broken esteem problem that we heard about earlier, um, in which case I think Christians might be discouraged because then it's it's essentially talking about the problem of evil, right? Yeah. Why would a good and loving God allow yes. such evil to reign in yeah. the world? This could be a just, lofty question. Yeah. Yeah, this could just be a more colloquial way of saying that. Okay, so then we get into another, she says, so many questions, still one answer at the end of this. And then we have a new movement in the song, and this is the answer. What? It's a question. (laughs) The answer is a question. (laughs) Wait, wasn't the answer before, if God... Oh, be for me? Sure. Who can be against Yes, me? so the answer is also a question there, too. Okay. So many questions. The answer to all these questions is actually a question. And this time, it's... Now what can wash away my sins? Sing it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. O precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. It was no other fount I know. It was nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then I'll save the rest there for later. So we get, now we bring in this, this hymn by old Robbie Lowry. So the first answer was, if God be for us, who could be against us, right? Yeah. And now the answer is, 
apparently the blood of Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, and it's power to wash away my sin and make me whole again. Yeah, it's a rhetorical question. It's basically another way. If we frame this question as a statement, it is, my sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. That's the answer. Yeah, and it's actually made clear again in the grammar, this time not with the perfect past tense, but with a simple past tense, when she says, it was no other fount, or it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. She's saying, my sin has been washed away, I have been made whole again, implying that she was asunder in some way or broken mm-hmm. before and has been made whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the blood of Jesus and nothing else that uh, saved her. I could be persnickety about the grammar. It was no other fount okay, I sure. know because in the hymn, in the traditional one, no other fount I know, that's just inverting the order of uh, the verb and the subject and object so that the verb comes at the very, very end where you would typically say, I know no Mm -hmm. other fount. So when you add the it was there, it kind of makes less sense than it would have originally. But I think that might be a little bit persnickety. Yeah, I mean, I think, and you're definitely, I I can tell like just by the, obviously the tone of your voice and the way you frame that, like you're not sticking the, the dogs on this on this one. And I think, you know, that's, it's probably good not to, number one, not everyone has their linguist uh, on, you know, in the studio with them to make sure that their grammar is fine. But then the second thing is this is a live recording. So, which you can very much tell is a live recording based on the, the audio quality. Well, not just the setting, but just based on the audio quality and the, especially in the main vocal, but about that later. Oh, Um, did you hear a little bit of auto-tune too? uh, There was auto-tune and there was also uh, just a lot of, I mean, if I pull my pop filter down here and I start talking, you can really hear the difference in the way that I talk. Nein, danke. Right. Um, Well, I was speaking differently, but I guess like you're going to hear those, you know, the S's and the T's and all that. Anyway, uh... So it was a live version. We don't need to be yes. too picky about the words. Yeah. yeah. So this was yeah this was live. So um, you know people add little, you know little sayings and little phrases when they're singing live in settings like this. So uh, and sometimes they will not make grammatical sense. But the the message is clear, even yeah. if it's not perfectly formulated. In fact, we could fault the original hymn for using this inverted order of words where no English speaker, even at the time that it was written, would ever do that naturally. So I know no other fount. I don't know of anyone, even in the late 19th century, who would naturally produce no other fount I know, unless they were, well, maybe this is what he's doing, unless they were really trying to emphasize the no part or yes. the fount part. Which I suspect is is what's happening in the original hymn. Um, so, I mean, I guess the only other things to say for me about this section. Does it strike you as being a bit out of place? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it, 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 yes, it is a bit jarring, uh, not musically at all. I thought it was a kind of a neat musical intervention. But it did seem strange because the the previous part of the song, the if only part of the song, was kind of vague. It was dealing more with 
therapeutic themes and themes of bodily healing. And this section just gets right into it. Like it's almost like it's like we're in the baby section of the pool and then suddenly there's a drop off and we're in like 10 feet deep. Remember how we said sin is the root cause of all of these evils that were explicitly mentioned? Yeah. What if she is invoking this song to remind the the singers, the audience, and the church of that reality? So she's she's making a leap here into a new song and really into what appears to be new subject matter, new content. But what if it is thematically tied to the the groaning creation that she's hinting at in the first part? Mm. It seems really tenuous, the, the link. But it still seems possible to me that she's the response to all of these things and the response to uh, someone who might be losing their faith because mm-hmm. of all of these problems is that um, the root cause of these things is sin, and the blood of Jesus washes away yeah. the stain of sin. It's like a gospel bomb being dropped in. In a gospel song. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you see things like this happen, and they can be really um, profound. I can think of two instances, one in my past and one in the very near present where I've seen this happen. So like the first church that my wife and I attended and where I would say we we kind of first became Christians or sort of had our, our, you know, our early growth as Christians was a non-denominational, just kind of evangelical-ish church. And it didn't not preach the gospel, but its, its version of the gospel was always um, a bit therapeutic. Like it was, there was always kind of a call, not quite an altar call, but there was sort of a a, a gospel, we, my wife and I call it a gospel bow at the end of every sermon that was sort of like, and if you, you know, if you are affected by what is being said, you know, th- you need to trust Jesus, like he'll fix your problems, blah, 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 blah and you, you need him and you're lonely. Anyway, a lot of the pre- presentation of those gospel bows in that church was just that our problem was largely therapeutic. And it was funny because we decided not too long before my wife and I ended up moving away, we decided to do some evangelism. That church decided to do some evangelism, and they picked this program called The Way of the Master. I don't know if you've heard of this. Oh, is this the, it's the Kurt- Jedi training no, thing? No, 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 no. Just kidding. This is, uh, this it is, just sounds like This it. is Kurt Cameron and, uh, and, uh, of Growing Pains fame and, uh, and Ray Comfort. Anyway, they would go and do street evangelism, but it was a very kind of law and gospel approach. So they would go into a conversation with people and kind of convince them, not in an aggressive way, but by asking questions that they were liars, that they, you know, had likely committed various kinds of sin, that they had looked at people with lust, for example, and therefore committed adultery. So they would present, they would kind of get people through a conversation it was not, it doesn't sound as heavy-handed as I'm making it sound. It's, it's really, these conversations were fairly easy. Um, but by the time they would get to the person to a point where they realized that they were a sinner, and then they would present the gospel. They would present, well, hey, look, 
Like there's a solution to this problem that you're in. Um, And uh, that was really radical for me because it was like, oh, that's what the gospel is. I I have been forgetting that in this church because the need for Christ has been presented to me over and over and over as a kind of therapeutic need. Like that's why we need Christ, because we're sad, because we're lonely, because we just, you know, are good enough, you know, whatever that exactly means, you know. And and that was really that was like a this gospel bomb that was dropped in that church because we did this program. And I think it had real benefits, even if now I would say that the way of the way of the master is not necessarily the the best way of of doing evangelism. But they they Anyway, um, and then this, like, the second example of this I can think of is, um, so I play basketball with some guys at a church that I don't attend. It's a non-denominational church, and it's it's very kind of seeker-sensitive church. And so there's a prayer at the end of our basketball game in this group of guys, many of which are not Christians. And the prayer is usually something like, oh, God, thanks for this day. Thanks for letting us play basketball. Thanks for keeping us from getting hurt. You know, thank you, God. Amen. Right. Um, and somebody the other day um, who didn't go to the church got called on to pray, and the prayer was like, thank you, Jesus, for saving us for our, from our sins. We didn't deserve this, but yet you have, you know, rescued us. Um, thank you for pouring out your wrath upon Jesus instead of pouring it out upon us. You know, it was a, it was a very gospel-oriented, you know, it was a prayer that was just thick with gospel truths, and it was just like, whoa. You know, it really sticks out in that setting. Jarring in a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, so the point is, there, there's something to what you're saying here, which is this song kind of feels like a song that could be in any church service about kind of, you know, broad therapeutic themes. And then you get sin, Jesus, you know, blood of Jesus. Like we're talking about crucifixion now, right? I mean, suddenly, suddenly it... it it turns, gets real heavy, real quick. And I, yeah, I can't imagine that that's totally on accident. Then the last kind of bit of material in here. It was nothing that we could do no work that we It was nothing that we could do, no words that we could say, no price we could pay, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So this is a kind of augmentation on the hymn, a a kind of riffing on the hymn. But I'd say it, it helps clarify some of what we've seen in both sections of the song. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I rather like this addition because... It's emphasizing really our inability to cleanse ourselves and heal ourselves. It, it helps explain nothing, what nothing means, in case you didn't it, know. It helps explain the word nothing. It, I thought yeah. you, it sounded like... Uh, oh, oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> it helps <nothing>. explain nothing. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> yes, it helps explain the function of the word nothing in this song. 
Yes. It just kind of amplifies that, right? It, and it and it names the the it names some of the prominent ways in which people try and cleanse themselves, yeah. try and heal themselves. They right. say words to themselves to right. maybe reassure themselves or they they think of it as a debt that they could pay off maybe with good deeds yes. or um some other kind of price maybe by giving money to the church you could atone and it's emphasizing the fact that that is that is not how uh, christian forgiveness works yep between man and god yep so it's fascinating to me that this song starts off in kind of a vague place with some therapeutic themes but ends really in quite a strong place, if you ask me. And I wonder what it would have been like, especially if there were people in the setting where this song was sung, who maybe weren't used to this kind of uh, heaviness in a song. I don't know whether that's true or not, but you could see it really, again, just to tell a brief personal story, like a lot of the worship that we did in this church that we were in was pretty vapid. And we started singing How Deep the Father's Love for Us, which, okay, issues aside that we've talked about before, this song does have a lot of gospel in it. And I remember, like, this was the first song in that church where I was, like, finding myself emotionally reacting to that song. And I didn't know why for a long time. And it's like, oh, it was my sin, right? Again, Now, again, there's some issues with aspects of this, but it was it was portraying very clearly Christ on the cross and sin and the need for atonement and and, and God's love for us and in, in ways that um, were contextualized within what Christ did on the cross. And I just found it emotionally, in a good way, I just, I felt it. I felt that. It was the ideas in the song that moved you emotionally. Ideas that weren't foreign to you, but were perhaps underemphasized. Underemphasized in the music that we had been doing, which was just kind of, for the most part, pretty vague. After this Nothing But the Blood, at least in the version that I listened to, which was about an eight-minute live version, yeah. she goes back to this refrain, if you are for me, who can be against me? Oh, if you are with me, whom shall I fear? If no one knows me, still his heart adores me, this part. Okay. Um, she repeats this several times, and then the last time that she sings it, she takes all the third-person stuff where she's talking about God and makes it second-person. So, if no one knows me still, your heart adores me. And then she goes to first-person, plural, we are safe, we are loved, we are healed. So, she's mentioning that she's not entirely alone in this whole process, which uh, I thought was good. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of uh, references the idea of a church. Yeah. Because, again, if we assume that the person singing the earlier parts is a Christian and it becomes a collective pronoun, we should assume now that this is a reference to the, the church. Okay, Tyler, so now we kind of give some concluding thoughts, and those thoughts might be about the song's coherence. They might be about just how the song, as it is done in this version, compares to earlier versions of the hymns. What sort of thoughts do you have on these concluding matters? song that we have on its face is not entirely clear. There are a few jumps that are quite jarring. Some of the wording is confusing at times, but never is it so bad that you are left 
confused about what exactly is going on. The entire time that this song is being sung, you know what is happening. You you see the problems being identified. Um, it's good that the song introduces a verse from the traditional hymn, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, because without that, there's no context for the problems. They're not rooted in any anything other than just kind of sadness about how bad the world is. Instead, we can have them rooted in, in sin if you accept that interpretation. However, there are some omissions from the original hymn that I think sting in a way. Yeah. I mean, they would be beautiful to include here, especially yeah. given all the... Um, especially all the references to the perils and sorrows of this life yeah. versus like, um, now by this I'll overcome, now by this I'll reach my home, where, where we can actually look forward to yeah. heaven coming where this will not be an yeah. issue anymore. Yeah. Um, if we wanted to emphasize more that we are incapable of manufacturing a kind of salvation for ourselves, something like nothing can for sin atone, naught of good that I have done. Yeah. Um, th- these, I think, leave uh, a little bit of a, a st- I said sting, I-, I do think that, a little bit of a sting by their absence if you know the original hymn. Yeah. What would you say, Colin? Yeah, I agree. I think it's unfortunate that so many of the verses which really unpack the power and efficaciousness of Christ's blood in the past, the present, and the future, in the inside and in the outside of the believer, I think would have been a really nice. And it, it it's it's a challenge because, you know, with a mashup like this, the song's already a bit long, so probably there is a need to make some cuts. At the same time, maybe there would have been just some ways to drop in a few references, which might have just further um, defined uh, some of the vaguer parts of the song, which I think, you know, the song is on its way to doing that, even with what was brought in. But you could see how, you know, it's almost like there was a, there was a, a, a pencil sketch done, which which you know was was still not colored in, and then there was then the person like the artist like starts using a little bit of color, but just only used like red and blue, and like didn't actually then bring in the rest of the palette that they actually had, like it was all there, and they just didn't use the rest of the color. It's like okay, well that's better than black and white but it's still not what it could have been because the color was right there to be used. I mean, not the canvas of nothing but... I mean, the palette of nothing but the blood of Jesus is pretty rich. Yes. And wasn't ultimately used. And frankly, I think it's superior to this other stuff that's been added to it in many ways. And so to omit a superior thing in order to include an inferior thing is an issue in yeah. my mind. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. The song as it is is okay. Yeah. But it man it could have been better. Yeah. yeah it could have been better. Just by singing two or three more of those verses yeah. from the original. Yeah. Um, yep. But 
like I said, there's nothing terrible in this. There's nothing in this that, you know, causes you to be upset at the authors no, of it no, no. or anything like that. Uh, okay, well, Tyler, let me ask, would you endorse this song? Yes. Okay. Would you? I think so. I think I could endorse it, even if there's some shortcomings. I think I could endorse it. What about a rating, Tyler? All right. I'm going to give it four out of five mantles. Okay. M-A-N-T-E-L, not L-E. So ah, not a cloak, it... but a fireplace. Was there a fireplace service. in the background of the she, song? She's standing in front of a fireplace. Okay. But like it's the stage too, right? Yeah. I don't know what it is. It looks like it, it, looks like it could have been a lodge of some sort. Okay. I mean, it's a really big wooden looking building. Okay. And there's a fireplace right in the middle. Okay. I thought it might have been a church at first, but I don't know any churches that have a big fireplace where... Oh, I'm sure there are some. Tyler, you... I mean... You think so? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Tyler has spent most of his Christian existence, and Tyler, you have not seen the wonderful and wild world of American, American evangelicalism. evangelicalism. <laughs> I saw a YouTube video the other day that was like... Um, they they read off names and it's like is this the name of a church or is it the name of a marijuana dispensary and man half the time i got it wrong really? like there's so many like new leaf is new leaf a That's marijuana good. dispensary or is it a church and i'm pretty sure it was a church you know so i don't know anyway it's i'm sure there are like 200 churches in the united states probably just in probably just in alabama that have fireplaces in the stage, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I visited a big evangelical church one time, and I remember I didn't like it because it was so loud. That was, and sure, maybe that, that makes me so juvenile, like that's such a silly thing to be upset about. But I, I felt that if I wanted to attend this church regularly, I would need to bring little um, earplugs because... These, the guitars were so loud and the lights. Are you really music. a millennial? Come on. What? I know. Maybe. Am I a, what do you think I am? I don't know. I don't know what that would be. The silent generation, right? It's too loud. Yeah. I mean, you can make fun of me all you want, but I'm not going to go to a church where my ears hurt. I, it, I don't you, care. It's not can. in the Bible that your ears, you know, have to be comfortable at church. You, you, but it's common sense, Colin. You can make fun of me all you want. Let me say some more hilarious curmudgeonly things <laughs> <laughs> that I sincerely believe. Do you think that's really that crazy? No, it's uh, just funny here. You know, it's just funny coming from you. That's all. Colin, what did you give this song? I gave it three out of five pop filters. This was a weird um, recording because it was clearly recorded live, but I kept thinking like, okay, this has not been recorded live at this thing because there was so many synthetic, there were, there were, because so many synthetic elements were added. Like the backup vocals, for example, are highly auto-tuned, highly. And, to, you know, that's why you get that smooth sound to them. And, um, you know, really treated. Evenly faded. In yes, and out yeah. Too. Lots of compression. So much compression on the vocals. And the main vocal, too, has tons of compression on it to the point where, like, her breathing and just anything that would have come through a pop filter is just really loud, like, jarringly loud in my ears. And I just, uh, it's crazy to me that 
Well, what it tells what it tells you. So this song still has like you know millions and millions and millions and millions of listens and views. And what that tell you tells you is, if you have a phenomenal voice, it does not matter if it's not recorded well. Like, you know, like you listen to like the old um, like Marvin Gaye, for example. I mean. You know, it doesn't matter that that guy's recorded with 1960s and 70s technology. I mean, the guy's voice is insane. And it was kind of like that with um, KCJ. Like, okay, the mic and the compression and the effects are just way overcooked, but her voice still sounds amazing. Um, the inverse of that, unfortunately, is also true, as I am painfully aware. It doesn't matter if you have how many effects and pr- how much production you can add to a mediocre uh, vocal track. It is not gonna, is not gonna make it awesome. So, um, so anyway, yeah, so just the production aspects of this really stuck out to me, but it truly was recorded live at that event. Cause there are some little things that she adds, like little things that she says, and she's, you know, it's clearly lining up like with, with what you see on the video. And at one point, she takes her monitor out of her ear. I don't know. She steps away from the microphone. She says, sing this, and then everyone's singing a cappella, and you can't hear her voice anymore because she's not at the microphone. Yeah. And it looked like a kind of authentic event. Like, it looked like they weren't, like, making a music video. Like, I think it was part of some service of some kind. Yeah. A lot of impassioned worshipers. Mm -hmm. No. It it looked... It was funny because it looked... You see things like this that are made by Christians, and they they don't look very authentic. I thought this looked pretty authentic, despite the fireplace in the background. Like, I thought this looked like a real event, a real gathering with musicians that were really good, but not necessarily trying to draw attention to themselves. Like, I didn't see a lot of lights, you know, or smoke machines or anything like that. It didn't seem like a concert, although, I mean, she was definitely performing, but in theory, you could have sung along with her. You wouldn't have been able to sing like her, but you could have sung with her. All right. Well, uh, that's all we've got to say on this week's episode of The Worship Review. Catch us on Twitter. Just type in The Worship Review. You'll find us. Catch us on Anchor FM slash The Worship Review or just theworshipreview.com. You can also find us on Patreon. You can email us at feedback at theworshipreview. And thank you for listening to us, not only in this episode, but in this series. We're looking forward to the next one, where we do uh, the top gospel Christian charting song in the top 10 countries that listen to the Worship Review. So we're going to be starting off with the United States. That's our first, that's the main country that listens to us. So we're going to start off with that. Um, but until and then that, Nigeria, we're coming the, for you. Well, Nigeria's a tide right now with the UK, so we'll have to see what happens. But it's either going to be Nigeria or the United Kingdom. We'll tell see. your friends. I really want to do Nigeria yeah, second. That would be fun. Uh, all right, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.